the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. As always, we begin by saying thank you for joining us and being a part of this opportunity we have each and every evening to hear the Bible, this book of books. This book is what matters. Opinions matter depending on the weight that you give to each one. How well do they know the book? How true are they being to the message of this great book, the Bible, these 66 different books? But you really can't get any truer than just go right to the book itself. Right now, we are into the book of Ezra. We have just finished the books of the Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, and then we went back to the New Testament to look at the book of Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to the believers there in the city of Rome in the first century. And now, coming back to the Old Testament, we're picking up at the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. These are three books that were written post-exilic. Ezra is one of the men who helped lead groups of nearly 50,000 people made the journey back from Babylon after the 70 years of exile. Ezra is one of those who comes back with the people of Israel and they begin to rebuild the country. They begin to rebuild the society. They begin to rebuild the temple, that place of worship of the true and living God, that covenant relationship they had as a people to worship the true and living God. And we talked about Cyrus as he was prophesied 150 years before. By name, he was prophesied to release the people to come back. We'll continue on through the book of Ezra. I'll give you a little more information. Right now, the beautiful Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were created, before you made the earth and the world, you are God, without beginning or end. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust. For you, a thousand years are as yesterday. They are like a few hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear, or like grass that springs up in the morning. 
In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. We wither beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath. We end our lives with a groan. Seventy years are given to us. Some may even reach eighty. But even the best of these years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear, and we are gone. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to make the most of our time, so that we may grow in wisdom. O oh Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us see your miracles again. Let our children see your glory at work. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. End of reading Psalm 90. Is that the God that you worship, the God of the Bible, the true and living God, the one who is eternal, who is the creator of earth and all that exists, who is the Lord of death and life, who is holy and just and loving and all-knowing? Is that the God you seek and worship? Then we find him here in these pages with the Bible Library. The primary objective, the highest priority we have in reading the scriptures is not just simply to know the book, authors, dates, time, and the different events, although they are very important. The utmost importance is not that we get to know the book, but that through the book, we get to know the author, the writer of this book, the one who has inspired, who breathed these scriptures, who who himself acted and spoke in time and space in history, dealing with men and women, and then who caused men and women, like Ezra here, to write down their experiences, to write down their perceptions. He guided them in that endeavor, and he has guided in the preservation and in the passing of these documents, these truths, this history to us today, so that we can get to know him. We've seen a group of people come back under the leadership of Zerubbabel, about 50,000 people made this journey back to Israel. They're rebuilding their society, and central to that is the rebuilding of the temple. But there are enemies around them there in the land, and they use political influence to interrupt their rebuilding of the temple and of the city. Let's join now in chapter 5. Ezra 4.24 through 8.32. Ezra 4. The work on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped. And it remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. Ezra 5. At that time, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Edo, prophesied in the name of the God of Israel to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, responded by beginning the task of rebuilding the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them and helped them. But Tatanai, governor of the province west of the Euphrates, and Shetharbozani and their colleagues soon arrived in Jerusalem and asked, Who gave you permission to rebuild this temple and restore this structure? They also asked for a list of the names of all the people who were working on the temple. 
But because their God was watching over them, the leaders of the Jews were not prevented from building until a report was sent to Darius and he returned his decision. This is the letter that Tatanai the governor, Shethar Bozanai, and the other officials of the province west of the Euphrates River sent to King Darius. Greetings to King Darius. We wish to inform you that we went to the construction site of the Temple of the Great God in the province of Judah. It is being rebuilt with specially prepared stones, and timber is being laid in its walls. The work is going forward with great energy and success. We asked the leaders who gave you permission to rebuild this temple and restore this structure, and we demanded their names so that we could tell you who the leaders were. This was their answer. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built here many years ago by a great king of Israel. But because our ancestors angered the God of heaven, he abandoned them to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and exiled the people to Babylonia. However, King Cyrus of Babylon, during the first year of his reign, issued a decree that the temple of God should be rebuilt. King Cyrus returned the gold and silver utensils that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of Babylon. These items were taken from that temple and delivered into the safekeeping of a man named Shesh Bazar, whom King Cyrus appointed as governor of Judah. The king instructed him to return the utensils to their place in Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple of God there as it had been before. So this Shesh Bazar came and laid the foundations of the temple of God in Jerusalem. The people have been working on it ever since, though it is not yet completed. So now, if it pleases the king, we request that you search in the royal archives of Babylon to discover whether King Cyrus ever issued a decree to rebuild God's temple in Jerusalem. And then let the king send us his decision in this matter. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ezra 6. So King Darius issued orders that a search be made in the Babylonian archives where the treasures were stored. But it was at the fortress at Ekbatana in the province of Media that a scroll was found. This is what it said. Memorandum. In the first year of King Cyrus' reign, a decree was sent out concerning the temple of God at Jerusalem. It must be rebuilt on the site where Jews used to offer their sacrifices, retaining the original foundations. Its height will be 90 feet, and its width will be 90 feet. Every three layers of specially prepared stones will be topped by a layer of timber. All expenses will be paid by the royal treasury, and the gold and silver utensils, which were taken to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar from the temple of God in Jerusalem, will be taken back to Jerusalem and put into God's temple as they were before. So King Darius sent this message to Tatanai, governor of the province west of the Euphrates River, to Shethar Bozanai, and to your colleagues and other officials west of the Euphrates. Stay away from there. Do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be rebuilt on its former site. And do not hinder the governor of Judah and the leaders of the Jews in their work. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to help these leaders of the Jews as they rebuild this temple of God. You must pay the full construction costs without delay from my taxes collected in your province, so that the work will not be discontinued. Give the priests in Jerusalem whatever is needed in the way of young bulls, rams, and lambs for the burnt offerings presented to the God of heaven. And without fail, provide them with the wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil that they need each day. Then they will be able to offer acceptable sacrifices to the God of heaven, and pray for me and my sons. Those who violate this decree in any way will have a beam pulled from their house. 
Then they will be tied to it and flogged, and their house will be reduced to a pile of rubble. May the God who has chosen the city of Jerusalem as the place to honor his name destroy any king or nation that violates this command and destroys this temple. I, Darius, have issued this decree. Let it be obeyed with all diligence. Tatanai, governor of the province west of the Euphrates River, and Shethar Bozanai and their colleagues complied at once with the command of King Darius. So the Jewish leaders continued their work, and they were greatly encouraged by the preaching of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Edo. The temple was finally finished, as had been commanded by the God of Israel and decreed by Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, the kings of Persia. The temple was completed on March 12, during the sixth year of King Darius' reign. The temple of God was then dedicated with great joy by the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the people who had returned from exile. During the dedication ceremony for the temple of God, 100 young bulls, 200 rams, and 400 lambs were sacrificed, and 12 male goats were presented as a sin offering for the 12 tribes of Israel. Then the priests and Levites were divided into their various divisions to serve at the temple of God in Jerusalem, following all the instructions recorded in the book of Moses. On April 21st, the returned exiles celebrated Passover. The priests and Levites had purified themselves and were ceremonially clean. So they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the returned exiles, for the other priests and for themselves. The Passover meal was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile and by the others in the land who had turned from their immoral customs to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. They ate the Passover meal and celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. There was great joy throughout the land because the Lord had changed the attitude of the king of Assyria toward them so that he helped them to rebuild the temple of God, the God of Israel. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ezra 7. Many years later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, there was a man named Ezra. He was the son of Saraiah, son of Azariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Ayutub, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Marayoth, son of Zerahiah, son of Uzi, son of Buki, son of Abishua, son of Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the high priest. This Ezra was a scribe, well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for, because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. Some of the people of Israel, as well as some of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants, traveled up to Jerusalem with him in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes' reign. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year. He had left Babylon on April 8th and came to Jerusalem on August 4th, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. This was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those laws and regulations to the people of Israel. King Artaxerxes had given a copy of the following letter to Ezra, the priest and scribe who studied and taught the commands and laws of the Lord to Israel. Greetings from Artaxerxes, the king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law of the God of heaven. I decree that any of the people of Israel in my kingdom, including the priests and Levites, may volunteer to return to Jerusalem with you. 
I and my council of seven hereby instruct you to conduct an inquiry into the situation in Judah and Jerusalem, based on your God's law, which is in your hand. We also commission you to take with you some silver and gold, which we are freely presenting as an offering to the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. Moreover, you are to take any silver and gold which you may obtain from the province of Babylon, as well as the freewill offerings of the people and the priests that are presented for the temple of their God in Jerusalem. These donations are to be used specifically for the purchase of bulls, rams, lambs, and the appropriate grain offerings and drink offerings, all of which will be offered on the altar of the temple of your God in Jerusalem. Any money that is left over may be used in whatever way you and your colleagues feel is the will of your God. But as for the utensils we are entrusting to you for the service of the temple of your God, deliver them in full to the God of Jerusalem. If you run short of money for anything necessary for your God's temple, or for any similar needs, you may requisition funds from the royal treasury. I, Artaxerxes the king, hereby send this decree to all the treasurers in the province west of the Euphrates River. You are to give Ezra whatever he requests of you, for he is a priest and teacher of the law of the God of heaven. You are to give him up to 7,500 pounds of silver, 500 bushels of wheat, 550 gallons of wine, 550 gallons of olive oil, and an unlimited supply of salt. Be careful to provide whatever the God of heaven demands for his temple. For why should we risk bringing God's anger against the realm of the king and his sons? I also decree that no priest, Levite, singer, gatekeeper, temple servant, or other worker in this temple of God will be required to pay taxes of any kind. And you, Ezra, are to use the wisdom God has given you to appoint magistrates and judges who know your God's laws to govern all the people in the province west of the Euphrates River. If the people are not familiar with those laws, you must teach them. Anyone who refuses to obey the law of your God and the law of the king will be punished immediately by death, banishment, confiscation of goods, or imprisonment. Praise the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who made the king want to beautify the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. And praise him for demonstrating such unfailing love to me by honoring me before the king, his council, and all the mighty princes. I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord my God was on me, and I gathered some of the leaders of Israel to return with me to Jerusalem. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ezra 8. Here is a list of the family leaders and the genealogies of those who came with me from Babylon during the reign of King Artaxerxes. From the family of Phineas, Gershom. From the family of Ithamar, Daniel. From the family of David, Hattush, son of Shechaniah. From the family of Parosh, Zechariah and 150 other men. From the family of Pahath Moab, Eliahoenai, son of Zerahiah, and 200 other men. From the family of Zatu, Shechaniah, son of Jehaziel, and 300 other men. From the family of Adin, Ebed, son of Jonathan, and 50 other men. From the family of Elam, Jeshaiah, son of Athaliah, and 70 other men. From the family of Shephatiah, Zebediah, son of Michael, and 80 other men. From the family of Joab, Obadiah, son of Jehiel, and 218 other men. From the family of Bani, Shelomith, son of Josephiah, and 160 other men. From the family of Bebai, Zechariah, son of Bebai, and 28 other men. 
from the family of Adgad, Johanan, son of Hakatan, and 110 other men. From the family of Adonikam, who came later, Eliphalet, Jeuel, Shimaiah, and 60 other men. From the family of Bigvai, Uthai, Zakur, and 70 other men. I assembled the exiles at the Ahava Canal, and we camped there for three days while I went over the list of the people and the priests who had arrived. I found that not one Levite had volunteered to come along. So I sent for Eliezer, Ariel, Shemaiah, El-Nathan, Jarib, El-Nathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshulam, who were leaders of the people. I also sent for Joyarib and El-Nathan, who were very wise men. I sent them to Edo, the leader of the Levites at Kasiphia, to ask him and his relatives and the temple servants to send us ministers for the temple of God at Jerusalem. Since the gracious hand of our God was on us, they sent us a man named Sherebiah, along with eighteen of his sons and brothers. He was a very astute man and a descendant of Mali, who was a descendant of Levi, son of Israel. They also sent Hashabiah together with Jeshaiah from the descendants of Merari, and twenty of his sons and brothers, and two hundred twenty temple servants. The temple servants were assistants to the Levites, a group of temple workers first instituted by King David. They were all listed by name. And there by the Ahava Canal I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that He would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, Our God protects all those who worship Him, but His fierce anger rages against those who abandon Him. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and He heard our prayer. I appointed twelve leaders of the priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and ten other priests, to be in charge of transporting the silver, the gold, the gold bowls, and the other items that the king, his council, his leaders, and the people of Israel had presented for the temple of God. I weighed the treasure as I gave it to them, and found the totals to be as follows. Twenty-four tons of silver. 7,500 pounds of silver utensils, 7,500 pounds of gold, 20 gold bowls, equal in value to 1,000 gold coins, two fine articles of polished bronze, as precious as gold. And I said to these priests, You and these treasures have been set apart as holy to the Lord. This silver and gold is a free will offering to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. Guard these treasures well until you present them without an ounce lost, to the leading priests, the Levites, and the leaders of Israel at the storerooms of the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. So the priests and the Levites accepted the task of transporting these treasures to the temple of our God in Jerusalem. We broke camp at the Ahava Canal on April 19th and started off to Jerusalem. And the gracious hand of our God protected us and saved us from enemies and bandits along the way. So at last we arrived safely in Jerusalem, where we rested for three days. End of reading, Ezra 4.24 through 8.32. remarkable individual this man named Ezra but it's not so much about Ezra as it is about God's faithfulness to his people now remember 722 years before Christ the 10 northern tribes had been destroyed by uh, the Assyrians with their capital in Nineveh 
the northern tribes had been absorbed, they had lost their identity, intermarriage and life in other cultures and societies had removed them in the broad sense from their consciousness and awareness of their covenant relationship and their true and living God. 125 years later, 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar swept in. After several invasions, finally Nebuchadnezzar's army lay a siege on Jerusalem, destroy the city, sack the temple, and take all the jewelry and the gold and silver, the instruments of the temple, back to Babylon with so very many other people as well. Now, after 48 years, Babylon has fallen to the Persians. And now Cyrus, the Persian king, in 538, he allows Zerubbabel to take 50,000 people back to Jerusalem. This was predicted by the prophet Jeremiah. The temple is rebuilt in 515 B.C. That's 70 years to the date after the destruction of the temple by Nebuchadnezzar. And that's how most people date the 70 years of exile, the destruction of the temple and the rebuilding of the temple. Now, 80 years after Zerubbabel returned, Ezra now returns with a decree by Artaxerxes he confronts the spiritual disobedience of the people. They repent and reestablish the worship of the temple. About 15 years later, Nehemiah will return and help lead to the rebuilding of the walls around Jerusalem. All of this is an incredible miracle of the grace of God for his people and for the redemptive plan. There are so many things that could be said about this passage. There are so many remarkable details that we could mention about the instruments of worship being given back to them and the finding of this decree that Cyrus had signed earlier in chapter 1, years later, decades later, the finding of that decree so that the people of Israel from Judah and Benjamin could return and reestablish the people of Israel in the land. But I don't want to get caught up in the details tonight. I want to emphasize the big story. Remember, this is all about you and me as well. Because this is God moving in history, in time and space, moving to carry out His redemptive plan. Remember, the Messiah has to be born in Bethlehem, and He has to carry out His work of redemption. And all of this is setting up and preparing for that wonderful time. The Bible Dollar, Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.